We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast coming at you Monday morning, December 19th after the Wolves won their second straight game uh, this one against Chicago on Sunday night. Again, without Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert and still somehow this time dropped a franchise record 150 points, even though they're without their two centers and Torian Prince and Jordan McLaughlin, it does kind of feel like this team is at least relative relative to this season kind of at a high point from a vibes standpoint and we're going to kind of get into that today what's going into that this team kind of starting to normalize or ramp up obviously we got to talk about D'Lo and Ant's play of late specifically how they're kind of sharing some playmaking duties Naturally, you got to talk about Nas Reed, Nate Knight, what they're doing in Cats and Rudy's place. Kind of also get into how this all happened last year, losing a lot of players to illness, injury in December last year as well. It's all kind of coming together in that same sort of way. And to get into all that, as, as he does every Monday, Chris Hine from the Star Tribune is joining me. Chris, how are you? I'm good, Dan. I'm good. Back to back, you know, it's it's no load management for the writers on a back to back. We're back there, we're back there tonight, uh, working hard. Although I did skip Friday's game, so you know I, that was <laughs> you didn't have to say that. that was man. my load management. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, those those who were paying attention out there will note that I wasn't there for Friday. So yeah, we're just trudging, trudging through the snow to to cover this. Mm-hmm. recently 500 minnesota timberwolves team they're back at 500 again, again. like every week <laughs> they fall they fall a game or two below 500 and then it's like oh they're back at 500 now right. we're at the we're at the back at 500 stage do you feel like last night after the game that was do you agree with when i said that like kind of a high point from a vibes standpoint uh in the locker room last night yeah absolutely I mean, it was one of their most convincing wins of the season you know they played well. I mean, we've seen games this year where they haven't played well, but they've still won. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it just, it's just, 
I, I think I'm trying to think of is this just one of those nights where yeah. just everything just went well for them? You know, it, because every team has that in the NBA, right? Mm-hmm. A night where everything you throw up is going in. Um, you know, the D'Lo 37 foot shot clock beater, the ant runner at the <laughs> buzzer of the third quarter. Like, like th- those are the signs that like this is your night, right? right? Or is this? a bit of a breakthrough like we saw last year when, when the team had COVID, as you mentioned, um, and really started to find something in itself and took off once the calendar turned to January. Um, you know, they're hoping of course, that it is more like the latter. And I think it's interesting to dissect what those things are that they're learning about themselves in this time period. And in a game like last night, because I think it could have some changes for when this team gets back to being fully healthy, how they're going to play stylistically. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the the strongest case to be made that it isn't a flash in the pan is is to look at Delo's last month, right? Like, he yeah. has been trending in this direction. Um, you know, he's been shooting incredibly. Yes, like he made a 37-foot shot, but he's been making a lot of 25-foot shots for the, yeah. for the past month. And, you know, I, I think... In a lot of ways, that's what was holding this team back early on in the season is is navigating that, not only navigating playing with Rudy and Carl, but specifically navigating how they want to play make around that. And the, I mean, that's what I've seen is the, is the biggest change clearly is one, D'Lo's playmaking better, but two, he's playmaking less because Anthony Edwards is is now in the mix here and in the playmaking mix. And then with when Ant is in the playmaking mix, D'Lo's offense improves. I mean, dude, these numbers are insane from D'Lo from that, that Cleveland. So the Cleveland was his breakout game, right? It was the 14th game of the season. Wolves are five and eight at that point. Then these are the next 17 games for D'Lo 15 of which he played 27 and 20 points, seven assists, three rebounds a game, but it's the efficiency 80% at the rim. The only point guard in the NBA at that time who's shooting better at the rim is Ben Simmons, who isn't even a point guard, really. Well, I don't know. Long twos. Long twos. (laughs) 70%, Chris. 30 of 43. That's not a small sample. That is insane. Like 15 15 feet to the three-point line. 30 of 43 for D'Lo in that time. And then on threes, which got boosted up last night by his performance, 43% Mm -hmm. from three. The only point guards who are shooting better than that in that time are Steph Curry, Lomelo Ball, and Chris Paul. And the, I should say, I think it goes without saying that the long two numbers are the, were the best of, of any point guard yeah. in, in that time. So that's what's changing for me is a shift in how they're playmaking because Carl and, and Rudy are out, but that it's working between D'Lo yeah. and Anther. I think that's the best sign that this could be something that continues even once you start plugging people back into the lineup. Yeah, and with D'Lo, it's not just you know Rudy's only been out for the last two, two games yeah. here, and D'Lo only played only uh, played in one of those. So mm-hmm. you know this this goes back to when with Rudy being in the lineup for most of his his strong play um, it was just last night that it was different, um, and I think it, it coincides with and I mentioned this on the podcast before, but having Ant share more responsibility takes that pressure off D'Lo, allows him to play off the ball more. He doesn't have to expend as much energy. I I think Ant had the quote last night where it's just like, 
He's like, man, just let me take the ball up sometimes, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, yeah. just like that simple act of like just bringing it up the floor um, and not having to expend at least a little extra energy allows D'Lo to use his mind to to read situations and read the game, not have to always be on every second of a possession. Sure. And he he finds the he finds his spaces, he finds his moments, um, and he finds his his ability to shoot which has somehow come back to him like uh <laughs> I, I don't know i don't know well, if, I mean, but, but, could it this but be i mean it's somehow... such a night and day it's such a night and day difference it's amazing uh between what we saw in the beginning of the season and what we're seeing now um and ants you know i i i think about ant last year and a couple games i want to say back in like february or something like that when ant had to play point guard hmm. a lot because dealer was out and we asked Ant, like, what do you think about playing point guard? And he's like, I hate it. Right? I don't, <laughs> right? He said, I don't he's like, like I don't the like ball it. up the floor. Yeah. I don't like I don't like bringing the ball up the floor. And now here we are last night in the locker room and we asked him about playmaking. He's like, Oh, this is the most fun I've ever had playing play. basketball. Yeah. Let me yeah, play yeah, the cup. This ahead. is kind of a this is like a, a full minute, but it's kind of a back and forth <laughs> all about the playmaking. And then he does kind yep. of give that kicker line. Here's Ant. You talked a couple weeks back about shifting his mindset about getting a little away from being like the point guard and just kind of playing out there, mm-hmm. which has seemed to give you a little bit more playmaking duties. Yeah. How have you kind of taken that and, and run with it, play off, playing off of it? Uh, D'Lo's a great, a great shooter, man. Uh, I think you guys know he's great with catching and shooting the ball or shooting off the dribble. So I just tell him, like, bro, let me just bring it up and initiate the offense, and you know, just be right there, catch and shoot, because you know they're gonna help. And he's been killing, man. So it's dope. It doesn't seem like you've had any problem like getting off of it. No, no, for sure. I'm happy to get off of it. Yeah. The last two games, are like basically being the guy, kind of being the floor general out there. Did that cause you? Does that make you see the game in a different light at all? Yeah, for sure. Cause when you on the ball every play, you get to see everything. Like, cause some uh, a lot of game a uh, while back, like I'm in the corner, I come off. I'm just thinking like shoot, but now like I'm on the ball every time, so I get to see everything. So it's pretty dope. It's actually fun. Like I'm having the most fun I ever had playing basketball. <laughs> I mean, you see that, right, Chris? I thought the corner difference. I, I just yeah, I think that, I think we were in Sacramento when he said that when he said that quote yep. last year. I, I'm vividly remembering. The, I don't really like playing point guard, <laughs> but I'm doing it because they want me to, and we have we have to have me do it. It's uh, weird because he looks difference. like he doesn't enjoy being in the corner. We've seen that for three years. Right. I mean, that's when he gets Wiggins' body, right, where he just kind of stands yeah. up, hands on the hips, like in the middle of the the possession, and it's mm-hmm. it's totally changed. I don't know if that's reps. I don't know if that's a growing understanding that like. For him to hit his ceiling just as an individual over the course of his career, we always talk about, you know, how much are they going to ever lean into Ant in a Luca or Ja Morant, James Harden type of way. I think Ant has bugs in his ears saying, like, eventually we got to move more and more this direction. So take advantage of this time to get comfortable with it. And that, that, that's what I'm honestly shocked and, and probably most encouraged by is this looks like a natural thing. I always kind of thought you know that's maybe where it was going with ant was the kind of big guard type of thing but you're right we hadn't really seen it ever in in two years and quite frankly he'd looked uncomfortable when playing point guard the first two seasons of his career and then he'd said he was on point he was uncomfortable doing those sort of things so 
this like really like when we talk really really big yeah, picture the nine it's, day difference it's a yeah. pretty big shift right in, in terms of what you could envision yeah. from him he i noticed something in the i think it was the i forget which portland game it was might have been the the first portland game yep um i just i just have noticed he looks more willing when the game calls for it and when the the moment calls for it to attack the rim now now that's also that's also something that he has i don't want to say struggled with but has kind of complained about it's like well i don't always like going to the rim because it's it's a lot it's a lot of energy you know i go Mm -hmm. i get hit you know whatever what have you right but now it seems like i noticed in that game it was like a big third quarter that he had and he just attacked like Mm -hmm. he's like I'm getting to the rim, no problem. I, every and every time down, like in the third quarter of that game, he was just attacking. Mm-hmm. He didn't think twice about it. I, I can't remember too many instances where he pulled up and settled for a jumper. He just was every possession going to the basket and and, and attacking into a big too. Like I feel like yeah. so many times in my mem- obviously there's a there's a ton of examples of Ant attacking the basket his first two years, but it was mm-hmm. oftentimes like at least in my memory like times where it was like you already kind of have a step on your guy and it's a clear cut to the rim like that portland game i remember you're talking about it was like nurkic and eubanks and they're in the drop right and they're just kind of like waiting at the rim that was the type of stuff that deterred ant you know in previous years that was like yeah the poor zinc remember like when they played against porzingis or jared allen and and they're just sitting there waiting at the rim greatest rim protector in the league yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) exactly exactly and no but i I do think again we're, we're talking about like fundamental philosophical shifts in the way that Anthony Edwards is playing. I, I think that's unambiguously. Yeah, it's true. a desire mm-hmm. the the desire to do these kind of things seems to be there of late. Whereas the want to, it was more of, a, I have to do this kind of stuff instead of, I want to do this stuff. And now it's shifted into, I kind of want to do this stuff because mm-hmm. I see it's working and we're getting results. I'm getting results from it. The team is getting results from it. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I think that that success is just, is just breeding him to want to do this more and more and more, whether it is being on the ball, attacking the rim, what have you, mm-hmm. it's all, all, all these things that he was reluctant to do for various reasons in the past. He seems to be embracing now. This episode is brought to you by land and lore, the premier men's skincare brand that everyone is talking about. Finally, men are starting to realize that how you look determines how you feel and how you feel determines your mindset for success. If you've never tried a skincare product made for men, you have no idea how amazing you can look and feel. So if you've been one of the guys using a bar of soap, it's time to upgrade. Land and Lore is made with all natural botanicals, nutrients, and essential oils. It's safe, easy to use, feels, and smells amazing. Land and Lore guarantees if your face doesn't both feel better and look better in 14 days, they'll give you a refund, no questions asked. The company is founded by Mark Haysbrook, who started and then sold hayneedle.com to Mark Laurie. So a bit of a Timberwolves connection here as well. But the primary reason to try land and lore is because everyone loves it. There's no risk. And you get a 15% discount by using Dane MBA at checkout. I've personally started using both the shower kit and the face kit. And I love it. I've never really used skincare stuff before. But now that I've used land and lore, I'll never not use skincare. I just feel better. So check out landandlore.com today before they sell out. Again, that's Dane NBA, no spaces for 15% off at Land and lore.com that's l-a-n-d dash l-o-r-e dot com let's talk about today's sponsor let's get checked 
Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. Recent studies show that men's testosterone levels are dropping substantially since the 1980s at about an average of 1% per year. If your father was 30 when you were born, your testosterone levels could be 30% lower than his are. Low testosterone can have all types of health effects on men. It can cause you to lose muscle mass in your body. It can affect your mood, your memory, and even your sex drive. Let's Get Checked is a worldwide leader in at-home testing kits, and their male hormone tests let you easily test your testosterone levels. These results are reviewed by a clinician. Once your sample is in the lab, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. Let's Get Checked labs are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So if you want to test your hormone levels without having to leave your home, Visit trylgc.com slash Dane and get 25% off your test using code Dane25. Or look for that link and promo code in the show notes of this episode. That's trylgc.com slash Dane and get 25% off your test using code Dane25. I don't want to totally like leave the Ant and D'Lo theme because I think that is the theme of right now. But what tied into that in, in this last game um, against the Bulls was the involvement of the bigs and specifically one, you know, credit, just credit to Nate and Nas period in, in the way they were able to play, but it also looked and field felt different than when it was Rudy and cat out there and how they were using those bigs and sort of the decisiveness to go to Nate or Nas on the roll or, or find them in those actions is the overall kind of pace that they were playing with was different and you know I, I'm just curious about is like how, how much of Nate and Nas just seeming so open was due to the way that they're being guarded versus like versus the way Rudy is and Cat is maybe specifically in those actions yeah. because it just you go back you watch the pick and roll possessions from that game it's like oh my god this looks so much easier than the hundred pick and rolls that Ant and D'Lo have ran with Rudy or the stickiness of some of the pick and pops they ran with Cat. It was just such a night and day shift. And I'm curious what is kind of going into that, how much that is the opponent versus how much it is just the way that Nate and Nas play. What do you, what do you think along those lines? That's a good question. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about just how they move relative to Rudy and just how they're able to, to mm. get in and out of, of the pick and roll. And Fast. with Rudy, it's a more, right. It's a more lumbering process mm. and Nate and Nas are much quicker in that sense, just in their first step or two. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's a, I mean, Rudy takes up the space and is effective because he's so big. And so, and you know, knows how to set screens almost better than anybody else does but it's almost like that's not, not what matters right it's right it, it almost is like whatever you do just do it fast yep when you what you know whatever you whatever kind of screen you're setting or however you set it just it doesn't matter how you set it almost just do it quickly or at just, least that's what yeah. is working with nate and Nas. Right I, right I do wonder though if there's just different types of big rollers like i do maybe think it weighs it's on d'lo and Ant to realize that, like, that's I don't think that's what Rudy's ever going to do. Like, Rudy's never going to do that little, like, the Nas, like, quote unquote screen where he, like, touches the guy's lower back and just kind of slips out of it. And it's like, bang, bang. Right. Like, it's, it's, yeah, can you see Rudy doing slip, that? Yeah, no, yeah. like, I, I, it's just 
Certainly yeah. not at, at the same speed. It's not a quick slip at the very least. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it's, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's fair to say that it's more natural for both Ant and D'Lo to play with the quick rolling type of big. But I think that's going to kind of be the next level for those two who, you know, we're complimenting a big time for, for what they've been able to do these last few games is it's, I think it's kind of on them to like take whatever this playmaking vibe is that they have together and applying it to the personnel because like as as great as Nate and Nas have been, it's like Rudy and Kat are better at those things generally. Like Rudy, it's crazy that we're like, man, right. pick and roll is easier with <laughs> Nate Knight than Rudy Gobert. Like that sounds with Nas that, and Nate it, Knight, right? It sounds insane <laughs> when when Rudy has this. I mean, to, to be to be fair, I th- I think they were getting better at it with Rudy. True. Like over the last couple of weeks, I think I think they were getting better. It was looking more natural. He was looking more like a naturally involved part of the mm-hmm. offense, as opposed to somebody they were forcing the ball to. And you know that is with or without Cat. Um, so I, I think it was getting at least a little bit better. They were starting to figure it out. We'll see, you know, we don't expect Rudy to be out for very long here. Um, so he could be back tonight for all we know. Um, so I, I, I don't think it was a total disaster, um, mm-hmm. beforehand. It was getting better, but it, it does look just a, a, a step above with, with Nate and Nas, especially last night. And, and, you know, and to, to kind of round off this discussion, they're gonna need Rudy back because they need to play defense. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they scored 150 points, but they gave up almost 130 last night. Mm-hmm. So you know, they this is not the Rudy should stay on the bench a little longer uh, no. discussion. This is they they need him back. It's just how do you integrate him and and figure that out and make it as effective with him back in as it looked last night because that is the that is the prototype that they need to put on film for how they need to play offensively well force is the word right like how can how can you have rudy playing boosting your defense as he always does while being able to involve him offensively without it being forced you're right it was you know in the the games before rudy got hurt it was feeling less forced um yeah at the beginning of the year, though, it was. It was feeling it was, forced. Not yeah. to not just Rudy, but but Cat as well. Dilo talked about that uh, a little bit after the, after the game last night. You think the fact that the personnel on the floor right now enables the backcourt to just kind of For flex sure. a little bit? For sure. For sure. I mean, when you say touches, um, forcing those guys the ball is where we, where, we, where we get in a little bit of trouble. When our offense is just flowing and you don't know who to guard in transition or in a half-court offense as a defense, it makes it that much easier to guard. I mean, that much easier to score. So, um, like you said, personnel, obviously, you don't have a unicorn like Cat running down the middle of the floor that demands so much attention. You have a big guy like Rudy in the post or in a dunker that's demanding so much attention. You know, it forces your guards to kind of make things happen. And that's, that's what you guys are saying. It's interesting, right? Like, yep. it's yep. forcing Ant and D'Lo to do more, which they feel is benefiting them because previously at the beginning of the season when it was particularly wonky they weren't mm-hmm. right they were taking more of that backseat in an effort to try and force the ball through through cat and rudy it's where we had the right. first week of the season we we're like what is going on with all these rudy gobert post-ups you know it was just <laughs> right and i don't think it's actually what finch wanted finch wanted them involved he wanted cat and rudy involved not necessarily mm-hmm. the way that they were 
involving them. And that's what, le- I mean, for sure me, but led many of us to be like, but where is like the pick and roll? Where is the flow that we're talking about? And they just it's, couldn't naturally yeah. get into that. Like they have been able to recently. That's, that's what you need to show, show them overall is like, if Nate Knight can come in off the bench and ignite like Sunday and get 16 points, <laughs> just playing within the flow of the offense like that, like just, just do that. Like, that you'll get your points you'll get your touches right? right like that's that's the point that they have to drive home and that's what finch has kind of harped on since the beginning of the season which is trust the offense you know you're gonna get your points you're gonna get your shots if everybody just trusts the offense don't try to force things mm-hmm. um and it seems like they finally kind of hit that point or they're hitting that point and it's similar to what happened last year that's exactly the same process that this team went through last year the offense looked really clunky and Finch kept saying, trust the offense, trust the, trust the touches. The bench comes in mm-hmm. for those couple COVID games, plays really good offensive basketball. And all of a sudden it was like a eureka moment for the rest of the roster. Apparently that, Oh, <laughs> apparently. okay. Yeah. If we play like this, we'll be successful. And then they have the number one offense from January onward. Um, so you're seeing that much more, and less of the forcing of the ball inside just because out of necessity and because you have players on the floor right now who don't demand those touches as Delo was kind of referring to there you know you have and and Britt in his question I think was also referring to the fact that like you know you have Jaden McDaniels you have Kyle Anderson on the floor right now sharing minutes and those guys aren't going out of their way to say, Hey, give me the ball. It's my turn. Yeah. You know, whereas when Rudy and Kat are on the floor, there is an element of, Oh, I haven't had a touch or a shot in a while. I need the ball on my hands on this possession. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, every, every possession has kind of the same, the same beginning, the same outlook. Whereas before every possession was like, all right, who's, who's got this one. What, mm-hmm. Whose turn is it? You know, the whose turn is it kind of basketball. So that's a big difference between what we're seeing now. Yeah, it's I just I remember Finch talking about that during the COVID time last year where he's like, we're, the group is actually seeing what ball movement does. Right. When mm-hmm. when they had when COVID kind of ravaged the roster. And I'm like thinking, I'm like, why is that like so? Important? Why does that? Why is that necessary? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but But, yeah. you know, I think. Again, and he kind of explained this to you in in your question um, last night, but but he he talked about having things to show them that are positive, right? And like using right. positive reinforcement of like this is what it looks like, and and you would again you wouldn't think why do you need to have that, but it mattered, right? Like I, I was I went through because I didn't remember the COVID time was weird, right? Remember because it was like Aunt missed time first. And then it kind of spread to Cat and Dilo. It was four game, or it was three games where Ant misses. Then Ant and Cat miss a game. Then it's Ant, Cat, and Dilo miss two games. And then it's three games of Cat and Dilo missing. So it wasn't all that, what is that, nine games. They weren't all out together the entirety of that time. But if you right. just, like you mentioned, it was, it was then once they all get back, from that January 5th time on, they were the number one offense in the league. But guess guess what they were on offense prior to the COVID time last year? 12th? 
20, 22nd. I would have said the same. It was worse than I remember. Yeah, right? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. It was, Actually, it was no, really I, bad yeah, offensively. Yeah. And I remember because, because the offense was where we thought the defense would be, and the defense was where we thought the offense would exactly. be. Exactly. To start last. Like, the defense was top 10. Mm-hmm. It was, it was 11th at yeah. that time. Yeah. Yep. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then it all, and then it all shifted. Actually, the defense kind of got worse once the offense got The defense got did get worse. Yeah. Maybe did, that's yeah. a little bit uh, <laughs> natural there, but let's, I, I appreciated your questions last night, not to Finch, but like a lot of the players, it was, mm-hmm. it was interesting to hear that like they do see and, and feel parallels to that time last year, even though the, the roster is different. Here's, here's Chris and Finch, Chris and Chris Finch going back and forth. Parallels of what happened last year around this time of year, where you had a bunch of guys out, yeah. offense played really well with reserves stepping up into bigger roles. Is there maybe something about whether it's this number of games played in a season where you can figure some things out, or just I mean, getting every, a different look also maybe helps with yeah, when guys I mean, eventually come back? Everywhere I've ever been, like offensively, certainly when you have a new group, it takes about 20 to 25 games. It just does. Um, you know, when you have an existing group, obviously you should be, you know, uh, quicker out of the gate when it comes to that. Um, what, you know, these, what it, ha- what it shows you is that we're not holding the ball very as much. You know, we have less ball stoppers on the floor at any given time. And now we can see the rhythm of the offense. And I'm a big believer of you got to see the rhythm of the offense. We, we watch a ton of film where we play well. You know, um, because we play with a lot of freedom and randomness, but we have to feel that and see that. And I think when guys see it and, it, you know, see how much uh, fun it is and how, you know, their, their teammates can help too, you know, I think it's, it, it hopefully breeds like some momentum in the offense. Chris, if that isn't, if that isn't Chris Finch in a nutshell right there and his like philosophy, you know, I, I don't, I don't know yeah. what, what else is, but it's, it's been interesting to watch that work, right? And and have mm-hmm. the guys actually feel the rhythm, I guess. It in the Finchian flow, it's like that's the key to it. Is it that the flow doesn't we've seen the flow not work a lot over the course of these three right. years. We have seen it work, and when it does, it's it's the players understanding the rhythm of how they play. And I like how he used the word fun in there. Like it looked fun when they were just mm-hmm. hitting the bulls with fun. Nas pick and rolls, Nate pick and rolls, like whatever. It's just there was something confidence building about doing those things over and over again. Yeah, and and everybody everybody eats, as the kids say, right? <laughs> yeah, that's in in moments like that. That's everybody gets gets their moments. I I was intrigued by the phrase "ball stoppers." Yep. in that uh, in that quote. D'Lo has gone from being a ball stopper to not being a ball stopper in this in this stretch. Yep. He he no longer is, I don't think, a ball stopper. He is he is finding the rhythm of the offense more, and that's key. I think everything around him. Ant is not a ball stopper mm-hmm. um, anymore. It, it's it's honestly you know, Ant is more than D'Lo right now. Ant, Ant is, but but Ant still when he when he finds his ways to attack and things like that he he mitigates the you know the times that he might be a better ball stopper. Up. 
He might be right, the best right. ball stopper on the team. When, when he when he when he's not when he's not stopping the ball to just dribble around for six seven seconds and then yeah. jacks up a fadeaway two, you know <laughs> that's that's not as good a version of a ball stopper as if he's taking three or four seconds, finds his lane to right. to cut to drive to the basket. That's a better version of it. See that, um, but that's an example of the playmaking stuff, like right. having a residual impact, mm-hmm. right? Of like understanding that he, that doesn't need to be the way that he like like last night i thought the bulls just defensively looked like terrible and and specifically it was it was honestly like symptomatic to a lot of the times the wolves have looked really when the wolves look really bad defensively these past two years it's just rotations a beat slow right and Mm -hmm. and i think for the most part last night while they scored 150 is they understood that they were just like if we move the ball or if we get a screen involved even one in this action like we're probably going to be working a step ahead of the Bulls and that's probably going to lead to a good shot. But a lot of times yeah. they weren't doing that. And there was a lot of possessions where it's like, all right, Ant's got it at like 10 seconds left on the shot clock and it's dribble, dribble, dribble. It's like those those were the negative possessions. Those weren't the ones that you were pushing the Bulls as much. Yeah. And I think yeah. Ant, the more he does the playmaking, the less likely he is to be that ball stopper where it is six seconds left on the shot clock, and it's like, all right, and just get something up. You know, it, it felt the best right. possessions did not feel like that last night at all and haven't for these last few games. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, 100%. Everything felt like, every possession felt like it was something that should be happening or was mm-hmm. kind of the right moves within the moment and the structure of how the defense is playing them. It's interesting you talk about the Bulls. I, I couldn't get the uh, the Spider-Man meme image out of my head last night <laughs> where it's like the Bulls probably looked across the court. It's like, hey, I recognize you. Right. <laughs> a, a high wall team that is a beat lead on its rotations. I know I know what to do with this. Yeah. <laughs> Ant literally said that. I've Jay seen this movie about, yeah. before. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly what was going on last night. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Ball stoppers struck me. The other comment that struck me from Finch was how they may use Cat when he gets back, which is what I think we were theorizing before the year, but also they were intentionally saying that we're not going to just stick Cat in the corner and turn him into a spot-up shooter. Whereas last night, Finch seemed to be... Uh, hinting that maybe when Cat comes back, we stick him in the corner and turn him into a spot up shooter. Um, right. So there was that little nugget that he that he dropped last night. Well, I, and I think I, I don't have that clip uh, pulled up, but I, I think that is related to those times when you're playing a team that can't guard pick and roll at at a high level, right? Yeah. Or you have a Vucevic out there, and your team is a beat slow on the rotations, like. Those are the times where it's okay to be like, for these next 10 possessions, we are going to like, mm-hmm. we are going to kind of just run pick and roll here and have Carl be in those corn in the corner by planting yeah. Carl in the corner. Doesn't mean that's the only place he exists. Like you can have him right. there for, for a stretch of the game. 10 possessions is actually a long time, but there can be like in between the times in between that two when you're getting out in transition, right? And Carl gets a little like right. transition three on the swing or a transition pump and go. And he's kind of involved in that. But just his presence in the corner, if and when they have a, a matchup that they can punish with D'Lo and Ant, just playmaking. Sure. Mm-hmm. And 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 what is like for as many things as people complain about with Carl, it's like one thing he has never complained about is doing the role he's told. He just kind of does it, you know? Correct. And we've seen him, you right. know, Tibbs. 100%. Tibbs was post-up cat. Okay, I'm going to be a post-up player. Like, Gershon mm-hmm. and Ryan come in, and it's that, like, five-out Carl, the quarterback at the top. He's like, okay, I'll play there. Ryan right. Ryan came in, and they kind of used him at that elbow-extended mid-range catch area, and he started playing off that. Like, Carl's never had a problem with where you put him offensively. Because he, I think in his head, he goes, I am so offensively talented that you can, I can score pretty much anywhere, anywhere. you know? Yeah. And that's been the one place though, throughout his career, he's been used the least. And even if you just like look at some of his corner three point shooting volume and even his corner three point shooting percentage is it's lower. It's kind of untapped ground and maybe some low hanging fruit just for him as an individual too. Like what's to say you run that with Carl. And, you know, the last 40 games of the season, he shoots like 48% from three from the corner. Like, I almost would expect that to to happen. So I I don't think it's something that Finch or anyone on this team should fear. It's also just kind of a product of the roster you put together. You chose to have two high-usage guards, a pick-and-roll center, and you had Cat. Those are the things you have put around this team. Like, it's a talented group. Guys who need to be used offensively, it's okay to scale Cat back a little bit or use him in slightly different ways. Again, same thing happened with the Jimmy year and Wiggins, you know, and, and it, it it shifted. Like, I don't think it's crazy to to believe that Carl can just do what you tell him and still get him his twenty a night and 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 have success here. It seems to me to be the thing that will get him to the next level. And listen, if Carl, the thing that intrigues me about having Carl play in that position is it's not like he just he just has to stand there whenever he gets the ball and just shoot threes. I mean, he could be the 
It's not what Kyle second, Anderson does. Yeah, he could be the secondary playmaker coming off of coming off the dribble. It's not like his playmaking abilities will go to waste. Mm-hmm. And in some in, in some ways it might be enhanced because the defense its attention isn't on him from the moment he catches the ball with can't be. 20 seconds on the shot clock or whatever, mm-hmm. right? When he's getting it and his is kind of the, it's coming off of a, a an ant drive or a low drive off a, off a screen and roll. Like, you know, the defense is going to be scrambled and shifted a little bit. And maybe he finds his, because he is so talented playing off the dribble, maybe that's where he finds his, his moments. Yeah. I don't, I think it could, I think that could work. Um, you know what it I think might, of Chris? It, might, it might require some less usage on him overall, right. um, but I think it could. I think it could be okay. You know how it's like ever since the Warriors became a thing, like eight years ago. There's always there's been this like with every prospect or like player getting traded, they're like, oh, well, this player can come in and play the Draymond Green role on the pick and roll, where he just sets the screen, grabs it middle of the floor, and he can play make on that short roll, right? And everyone, everyone's yeah. like, use them in the Draymond role, use them in the Draymond role. And it never happens that nobody ever is used <laughs> in the Draymond role. And you know what such a big part of that is? Is because the Draymond role exists because the corner guy can't leave clay. There's more, yeah. or, or just the shooters around there. Like when Draymond gets in on the pick and roll, because you gotta be up on Steph, you gotta be attentive to clay off in the corner above the break, whatever. Like when Draymond catches it there, there's room to play. The defense has chosen Draymond. You're the best option for us right now. And as clogged as everything felt at the beginning of the season and Ant not being able to get the bucket because Rudy's not there, Rudy looking funky whenever he catches it at eight feet. It's like that didn't work because you didn't have the spacing. You can just inject this team with spacing. If, and when you put Carl in the corner, teams will guard him the same way they guard Clay. They will. I mean, they have I, to respect him. Yeah. How could you not? Like, or, or go ahead. Don't do it. Right. Don't do it. Right. And then, and then mm-hmm. Carl, prove it. Shoot. Prove that you can hit that at a high clip, which I think we have plenty of reason to, to believe that. But it's like, yeah, man, this just seems like an obvious way to use Carl. And, and he's coming back off of an injury. Like, you don't need Carl to come back whenever he comes back and be like, Hey man, we need like thirty from you a night and twenty shots, like all that. Like ease him in. That's a pretty easy place to play. Just ease him play, back in. Yeah, play play in the corner. I think. Yeah. I think. I. I. You're right. I was very encouraged to hear Finch say that. Mm-hmm. I think this is just the process of kind of figuring out the roster, and I'm glad to hear that the, they're right. doing it in this advance. This is this is why this is instructive, and because it's. <laughs> it's exactly what happened last year where it's like you are figuring out what works and what doesn't work with this personnel. And right now what is working is the combination of Ant and D'Lo playing off of each other, playmaking for everybody around them. That is the focal point of mm-hmm. this offense. That is what is driving it right now. And when Carl comes back, it, it would be a mistake to try and switch it up and go back to what you were doing before, mm-hmm. because you're starting to win. You know, well, we'll see going forward here, but they've won their last two games. Um, you know, they look much better. Um, so it would, I just think it would be a mistake offensively given where you were beforehand, um, mm-hmm. to, to just try and have Carl playing from the wing or, or the top of the key or wherever. It's yeah. Just, and, and we're not saying never, but we are never, saying right. when you are and in and that and, spread and, right, force and, when, and when you have these lineups, you know, 
Obviously, Carl's going to have a significant amount of time where he's the five, Rudy's not on the floor. Um, you know, so there will be there will be moments for him to be the focal oh, yeah. point. And, and God and God forbid, in those moments, another team puts another five on him. You know, we know we <laughs> right. know Carl is prepared to cook any other opposing five that is guarding him. So, you know, he'll still have those moments too within the course of a game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just yeah, when the five when the the starting the ideal starting five is on the floor together, it's got to look different when he gets back, and they just can't try to pick up where they left off. It'll be interesting juxtaposition over these next two games to watch Dallas play, right? Because mm-hmm. that is kind of that they have chosen that spread floor thing around Luca. And I know it's just kind of making the the Golden State comp, but like that can kind of be the Dallas thing is what you can kind of do around Ant as well, where it's it's just a lot of competent shooting, right? It they don't have it might not be Clay Thompson. But it's Reggie Bullock. It's uh, it's Tim Hardaway Jr. It's Dorian Finney-Smith. It's it's that. So I would just say to Wolves fans of like, what what when you're watching Dallas these next two games against the Wolves, like think about what this could look like if it were Ant with the ball where Luca is, and think about the different pieces that the Wolves because because the Mavs play a big too, right? Like they play Dwight Powell, who's I mean yeah. not yeah. all that. Dis, he's not that different than Rudy is as weird as that sounds. He's not really shooting threes or anything like that. It's like Dallas does a good job mm-hmm. of cycling through playing five out or playing four out with pick and roll with Powell. Like, I think this is the direction it moves in for the Wolves. And Dallas has been doing it for a while. Like they kind of got it down to in operation. But uh, I, yeah. I think that I think that will be uh, interesting to see. How, how do you? How do you feel about this, these next two games against Dallas? I think we have Luka questionable uh, for, for Monday night, but how do you see these the Wolves yeah. faring out in these two? A good a good test. I haven't looked up the numbers, um, but I feel like they haven't really beaten Luka many times when Luka has played. Well, remember Dwight Powell um, kills this t- team. Right, Dwight Powell kills them all. All it seems like somebody somebody always pops up and yeah. and and burns them as a secondary scorer um, in games when Luca plays, even when Luca's off. But mm-hmm. I, I have to go back and look and see. I think Luca's played like ten games against the Wolves. I'm not sure how many of those were wins, but it feels like the only times the Wolves have beaten Dallas I'm with in you. recent times are when Luca doesn't play. Yeah, so Luca. Look, he creates a lot of headaches, especially for a team that has trouble defending mm-hmm. on the ball sometimes, a lot of the time. <laughs> right. He, he creates a lot of issues, and all of a sudden, you're scrambling, and, and you know, and if their shooting can, as you said, you know, just surround them with good shooting, if the shooting can kill them, that's what does it. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you pay so much attention to Luca that all of a sudden Dwight Powell's going eight for nine, yep. um, which is what happened in one of the games last year, if I remember. I think multiple. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so Luca just presents all sorts of issues for them. Um, just given their sometimes Achilles heels on, on defense. Um, so Th- this is I'm what it should feel like with Antho. Th- yeah. This is like when, <laughs> when like Blazers podcasters are are talking about like the the wolves coming to town it eventually it, could, it should get to the same point of the same fear with ant where he's going to cause us all sorts of problems yeah because the surrounding pieces when ant's going like luke is going can cook 
you know, and and I think that's the yeah, again, I've said a couple times, I think that's the thing to to really like look forward to as a Wolves fan is I don't think they're going to let go of this ant playmaking one because D'Lo seems to be play, like the alternative is D'Lo. Um, yeah. And D'Lo has been great in this more off ball role as well. So, um, yeah, I just think it will be um, an, an interesting juxtaposition. I haven't had the chance to watch a lot of Dallas recently, so I'm not really sure like how how well they're all clicking but we know the identity of that team and we know that that type of identity has been one that's punctured this Wolves team the past few years and it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they handle that differently particularly now with Rudy Gobert right Dwight Powell yep. you know <laughs> Dwight Powell should not be going eight for nine from the field when when Rudy Gobert if, assuming up. if Rudy plays mm-hmm. yeah yeah and if, and if Rudy plays and, my and, and the other thing too does. in previous years Jalen Brunson had some really nice games against them really good point um, forgot about so, that so so yeah he looked he looked really good against the Wolves mm-hmm. uh, a lot mm-hmm. so him not being there I wonder how that's going to affect just the overall dynamic for them offensively yeah. against the Wolves well Chris we will uh, we will see um, it's as always interesting to track I do think this. COVID parallel from from last season is there you I, I haven't read it yet you you said you have a piece up on Star at the Star Tribune um, well on, my gamer just kind of incorporated okay. some of that uh, mm-hmm. into it last night we tried to hit on a little bit of everything so yeah check it out um, also I also have a little piece up there um, my I had a notebook from yesterday but maybe the more uh, nerdy fans uh, among the listeners out there would appreciate it when I was in LA um, at, after shoot around in LA I, I just talked with Rudy about kind of how he sets screens for guys and the differences that he employs whether he's setting a screen for Delo or ant Interesting. just kind of the the strategy behind that. And that was my notebook for yesterday because I didn't know if I was ever going to write about it in the near future here with the holidays coming up. So if anybody wants to read just about Rudy's thought process behind how he sets screens for Ant and D'Lo and other guys, uh, that's up there, too. Cool. Um, mm-hmm. And Chris is traveling more uh, with the team now. We were in, out in Portland together. You were in- Well, not, I, won't be, I won't be on the four-game trip uh, coming up over Christmas, um, but that's thankfully... Okay. You, you can take uh, some time with the- your family. I'm going to take some time with the family, reintroduce myself to the family, as I like to say. <laughs> um, and then uh, in Jan- once the calendar turns, I will be uh, on the road a lot more, uh, thankful to say. So, yeah, that'll be awesome. I mean, forward it's, to that. I, I, I just me appreciate it, like talking to you because I'm, you know, you're on more of the road trips, certainly. Uh, I'm going to have to pack this fancy microphone uh, <laughs> that I now have to, to record our podcast when I'm on long road trips. Yes, we we to moved find to... some extra room in the suitcase. <laughs> we moved away from AirPod uh, podcast with Chris. Uh, Chris, I appreciate you doing it. Um, you guys can obviously read everything um, from Chris at the Star Tribune. You follow him on Twitter at Christopher Hine. I'm Dane at Dane Moore NBA. I will be back on Tuesday afternoon reporting with Britt, Jace on Wednesday, and and Kyle on Friday. We'll we'll see how this uh, keeps moving. Uh, Until then, peace, Chris. I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah. Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like no.